Good morning, gorgeous. How are you ladies doing this morning? I hope you're all doing wonderful. For those of you who are new, welcome to a Feminine Impression Podcast. I am your host, Dr. Michelle Daff, and today we are continuing our book series on the Esther Anointing. This book is written by Michelle McLean Walters, and this chapter is discussing praying with power. I hope that this is going to be an amazing, amazing podcast for you to be able to learn how to pray with power. And at the end of the podcast, there will be some question answer and some books that I'm going to share with you. So make sure to listen until the end. Go ahead and sit back, relax, grab something to drink, grab something to write with, and let's talk about this. Hello, ladies. Good evening. Welcome. We're talking today about rewriting the decree. And that is a way, a form of praying with power and with authority. So that's what we're going to talk about today. And I'm also going to be sharing some of my favorite books for those of you who are just starting to develop your relationship with God and you kind of just want some books that are really going to shape you and help you. I'll be sharing some of those as well. So we're actually going to go ahead and get started. But before we do, I just want to let you know that if you would like to share these videos, go ahead and share them on your timelines, on Facebook, and you can tag me on Instagram and I'll repost whatever you post. But if these videos have been helpful to you, or if you just know that there are other people in your life and in your circle that could benefit from this information, then share it with your sister. It's so important to share and make sure you tag me when you share. So this chapter today is talking about rewriting the decree. Rewriting the decree is a way of praying with power and with authority. So many of you ladies are getting renewed and restored in your spirit and you're having your own relationships with Christ. And you're learning how to pray again. You're learning how to have that intimacy with God again. I know how hard it is and how much it bothers you when you know that you should be having that relationship and you're just not because you don't know how to get it started again or life has just been so stressful that you don't even know if you have it in you to start back up with God again. And so I'm hoping that this series has helped you to kind of lead yourself back into God's presence and understand that there's different, there's so many different layers and so many different ways to have a relationship with God. The most important, most important thing on this earth that you could ever do for your life and for the world is to pray. That is how you can have a relationship with Christ is through praying. When we kind of go back in time and we talk about the first people to ever live, Adam and Eve, when Adam and Eve were in the garden, they had the luxury, the special pleasure of being able to walk with God. And they talked to him. He was there with them. And they didn't have to worry about anything. They had a real intimate relationship with God. And they lost that when they sinned. Because they sinned, God took his presence away from them. And ever since that point, humans struggled to be able to connect to God. He was this entity that was far away, 
but there was no actual loving relationship there that they could experience. And it wasn't until, of course, our Savior Jesus Christ, God himself, came down in human form to be able to restore what we lost and become sin, even though he was perfect, become the very thing that separated us to allow us to have God again by giving us God's spirit, by giving us the Holy Spirit. Those of us who are Christian, we got God's spirit to abide in us so that we never have to be separated from him again. The thing is, so many of us just don't access that. We don't access our privilege of being able to have God inside of us and have the power to help our lives go the way God asked and plan for it to go. So it's important that we remember that we lost that at one point and now we have it. And if you want to get close to God, it's just so, so easy. All you have to do is pray. <laughs> and um, allow us to be able to get our authority back because unfortunately when Adam sinned he gave his power to Satan he gave his status in terms of being the ruler of this world to the devil so this kingdom is a kingdom of darkness so unfortunately because he gave that authority over we have to make the choice to seek out God and have that relationship with him Without that, life is just so much more difficult. But God loves you so, so much and just wants you to come back to him. And that is what I really, really want you to understand that he loves you and he's interested in every single bit of your life. He is interested in every emotion you have, every problem you have, big or small. He cares about it. He loves you. And even those of you who don't pray, just have completely ignored God your whole life or for the last seven years, you've just totally ignored him. He still takes care of you. He still loves you. He still helps you when you're in a problem and you pray to him. He still comes through even though you completely shut him out. That's how much he loves you. So you praying is so, so necessary. And I want you to leave me a comment and just tell me how often do you pray? Do you pray every day? Do you pray twice a day? Do you pray maybe on Sundays when you go to church? Do you pray if you're in a, in a crisis? I know some of you are changing that now, but up until this point, how often were you praying? When I wasn't that aware of how powerful all of these things were and how necessary they were, I prayed maybe once a day and they were like 20 second prayers. And they, were, they weren't sincere. It was just kind of like a ritual that I was doing. And it definitely made a huge difference in my life when I started praying. It was a 180 in terms of even how secure I felt in my day, every single day. Just going back to the book. I'm going to talk a little bit about the structure of prayer, how to pray properly. I know we talked about this in another video, but it's so important because some of, some of you don't know how to pray. You don't know the components you're missing. 
your prayers you feel are not getting answered. So the structure is important. There are different kinds of prayers and you definitely don't have to always pray this way, but at least once in your day, like in the mornings, you should be praying with these components in order to have power in your prayer. And again, I really want you to always take time first thing in the morning, before you go on Instagram, before you send a text message to someone saying good morning, to spend time with God. Spend time first with God before any interruptions, before the devil tries to get on your nerves. Spend time with God, praying, reading the Bible, worshiping, and I promise if you do that, you are going to have a completely different kind of day. You are going to be filled with power and with love, and you're just going to flow through your day. And during that time is when you can kind of have a whole worship experience. And the first thing you need to do in terms of coming to your Father in heaven is by praising and worshiping Him. So you can do that by playing music. You can do that by listening to a sermon and you know being fully there when you're listening to it taking notes and and all of that you can pray through singing like you can make up a song you can sing a song that you know it doesn't really matter you can dance you can play a guitar if you have a guitar if you have a flute if you have a piano there's no like amazing guy on YouTube. His name is Dappy Tiki's. I'll link his channel. He makes the most beautiful spirit-filled worship music and it's just a piano because sometimes I don't want to hear anyone speaking. I don't want to hear a bunch of clapping. I just want to be in God's presence and so I love his music because it's just so calm and serene and he is filled with the Holy Spirit. So when you listen to his music, there's that healing power that's there. You can feel God's presence. So you can just play background music and just be still. But make sure you're worshiping first before you actually start to pray. And when you start your prayer, you know, let God know who he is, how mighty he is. You know, address him and let him know, Lord, you are the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords. You are the one and only almighty God, the creator of this earth. Exalt him. Remember that God is a king. Okay, so you're coming to the throne, but you're also coming to your father, the most perfect father, not your earthly father. We're not talking about a human. We're talking about God, absolute perfection. The Father who loves you, who created you. And so you're coming with just a humble and tender heart. And when you start your prayers off, it's important for you to thank Him for whatever He's done for you. Thank Him for waking you up. Thank Him for giving you a new start in the day. Thank Him for your family. I heard someone say once, imagine if the next day you only got the things that you thank God for the day before. Imagine how much you would have. And I thought that's so interesting. I mean, some people would have a whole lot while others would probably have nothing. So it's important to just be grateful and thank God. And of course, then ask for that kingdom to come. Ask for the kingdom of heaven to come down to earth. That was in the model prayer that Jesus asked us to pray when his disciples asked, how do, how do you pray? They saw Jesus doing all these miracles and they're just they didn't understand. They saw that he would go away for hours at a time and he would do something and then come back. And they're like, what is it that you're doing? Because clearly whatever it is that you're doing is what allows you to do these miracles because we try to do them and it doesn't work. 
So what is it? And he did give them a structured model prayer of what essentially you should be asking for. And that is for the kingdom of heaven to come down to earth. You, my love, have the authority to bring heaven down every single day, heaven's culture, heaven's lifestyle, heaven's influence into your body, into your home, into your car, into your job, into your children. Bring heaven down. And then, of course, it's important for you to ask for forgiveness of your sins and forgive anyone that you have held any grudges towards, any negative or ill feelings that you have, you're releasing them in that moment. Ask God for your forgiveness and then pray for other people. Don't go straight into praying for yourself, okay? <laughs> it's important for you to pray for your sisters and your brothers, your family, your coworkers, people that you do not like. Pray for everyone first. Pray for those who are sick. Pray for the person who you promised you were going to pray for when you said, oh, really, you're going through that? Oh, I'm going to pray for you. Actually pray for them. Don't just say it. If you see people who are going through hard things on social media, even if you don't know them, there's like this thing floating around right now with this like relationship guru who cheated on his wife, who looks so sad and so broken spiritually, instead of just watching it and making tweets and comments, pray for her. Prayer is real. If you believe that something is wrong and she needs help, then pray for her. That is the time for you to pray for people, even if you do not know them. And then pray for the things that you need, the things that you want. The Lord already knows what you need, but he does want you to ask and he wants you to seek him. Okay, so then pray and then at the end of your prayer, always end in Jesus name. Because it's only through Jesus that you can even be heard. Because of his choice to come down and die for you to have a connection again is why you can come straight to the Father. So you need to pray in his name. Okay, It's like someone giving you their credit card, <laughs> but it's not in your name, but you're able to use it because they put you underneath as a authorized user. That's the only reason why you can use it. But when you go, you need to say it's in this person's name, not my own, but I still get whatever it is that I'm buying because they allowed me to use it. So you're praying in Jesus name. That is where the power comes from. Okay. There is no power outside of Jesus. So after you do that, then you make sure that you say thank you, you thank him in advance, you're thanking God already for whatever you asked for. You're believing that you already have it. You believe and you know that your father heard you and he loves you and whatever it is that is going on, he's going to be there for you. And you just say thank you and you praise him on your way out. So as you're leaving the throne, you're also praising, you can sing another song, you can play some more worship music, you can dance, you can just be free in his presence. And the Lord loves when you are just yourself and you just come as you are. And you don't try to rush out of that prayer, okay? Because sometimes we pray really quickly and then we just like try to get out and just get our day going. But you are not excused until he excuses you. The king is the one that excuses you. So until he excuses you, you are not excused. It's important for you to sit there and listen for God to speak to you. So many of you will say, I don't know. It just seems like God doesn't speak to me. And he does speak to you. 
but sometimes you're too busy rushing through the prayer and you're leaving his presence. So you can just sit there and be still and listen. And it's not like a voice that you're going to hear. It's going to be a thought that you're going to have. Or sometimes he'll put it on your heart to pray some more. You thought you were done and new stuff starts coming into your mind or answers to things that you were thinking about. Or sometimes he'll convict you and, and have you pray about something that you didn't even think to pray about, but you're actually struggling with it. Okay, so stay there a little longer and listen for whatever he's going to tell you. Okay, you're not just dropping a note to God. You're having a conversation. You're supposed to be having an intimate moment with one another. So you've done all that talking. Then you can listen and see what God says to you. And that is how you pray. Now, there are different kinds of prayers. You know, sometimes you are going out and it's just like the middle of the day and you're just like, Lord, please help me. That is a prayer. Okay. You are still praying. You can just sigh sometimes. Like the Lord is inside of you. He's around you. He knows everything you need. So even if you're not saying words, a sigh could be a prayer. I know today the most interesting thing happened. I was just, I wasn't stressed, but I was just a little bit annoyed or I don't know what the word is, but you know, I just moved. So we have stuff everywhere and I have this like bag full of spices and I was going to cook and I just kept thinking I need a spice rack. I, I need a spice rack. I can't keep like making food out of this plastic bag. And I didn't say it out loud, but just my, my spirit was just tired of leaning down and taking spices out of a Target bag every day when I'm cooking. And lo and behold, the most amazing thing happened. Someone sent us something for our wedding registry and it came in today. And, you know, I didn't know anyone had even like started buying anything. And it was a spice rack. And I was like, oh, thank you so much, Lord. You heard me. And it was just the most amazing thing. But it was really just a prayer that I said in my mind, I wasn't actually praying to God, but I was hoping and wishing and he knows my needs and he is interested in me having a spice rack to hold my spices. That's how much he cares about the little, the little things and the big things. So sometimes it's not a whole uh, full out prayer. It's just a groaning or a heavy thought on your mind. And the other concept I wanted to talk about is the need for revival. And that's a word you may not have heard before, but revival is you getting back in touch with God, getting your spirit ramped up again and getting back in fellowship with Christ. Because so many of us go through life and we just get very dry spiritually. Like we lose that burning feeling of just wanting to read our Bible and pray and sing and have conversations about God, we lose it and we get swept away into everything else going on in our day, in our lives, in our world. And a revival is important. Now, I'm going to read the actual like definition of what revival means from gotquestions.org. And it says, a revival is initiated by a prompting of the Holy Spirit, creating an awareness of something missing or wrong in a believer's life that can be righted by God. In turn, the Christian must respond from the heart, acknowledging his or her own need. Then, in a powerful way, the Holy Spirit draws back the veil 
the world has cast over the truth. Allowing the believers to fully see themselves in comparison to God's majesty and holiness. Obviously, such comparisons bring great humility, but also great awe of God and his truly amazing grace. Unlike original conversion experiences that bring a new relationship to God, revival presents a restoration of fellowship with God. The relationship being retained even though the believer had pulled away for a time. So that's what a revival is, and sometimes churches will have it, communities will have it, but it is Holy Spirit-led, and it brings you back into touch with God. So it's important for you to reconnect, especially for those of you who know that there's something going on in your lives that you just really need help with. You know that there's something that's stopping you as a woman from reaching your highest potential like my channel is about femininity. Maybe it's that. Maybe you believe that you're just not soft enough. And maybe while you're praying, you can have a prompting from the Holy Spirit saying like, there's something going on with you, girl. You need to deal with this. You're too angry. You snap at people too fast. You're always in a bad mood. You're always speaking negatively. What is going on with you? You might have to sometimes say, I don't know, but I need your help. I need your help. I don't want to be this hard. I want to be softer. I know this is not how I should be acting. And the Holy Spirit will allow you to repent, allow you to see what's wrong and help you. So sometimes you just need that humbling. God loves when you can humble yourself and say, like, I need help. And he will be there. And in Matthew 5, 6, it says, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. If you are a woman who really wants to be different, if you want to change, if you want to be kinder and softer, if you want to be more humble, if you want to change the way that you act with people, you have to humble yourself and you have to come to Christ and come to God and let him know that you're ready and he will be there for you, okay? He loves you. There's also a need for a worldwide change, a worldwide revival. A lot of times, of course, we have our own personal things. We all do. No one is perfect, and sometimes you think something is gone, but you stopped working on it halfway through when you started seeing results, and now you're back to square one, and you didn't even kind of go through the whole process. So we are constantly working. But in terms of like a worldwide revival, that's also important. I want you to think about your community, wherever you live. What do you think could change in your community? Like what would you want to change if you could? Maybe you live somewhere that's very violent and there's a lot of murders. Maybe you are in a community where a lot of people have depression or are self-harming. And when I say community, it doesn't have to be where you physically live. It could be a community of artists. It could be a community of doctors, whatever it is that you do or you're involved in. Maybe your community have children who are questioning their sexual identities and you are worried about your children. Maybe you're noticing a lot of marriages are falling apart because men are having more and more issues looking at porn 
or having extramarital affairs. Maybe you're noticing that certain ethnic groups are being targeted or mistreated and you just want it to change. There are so many issues going on around us. We can't just ignore what's going on in the world. We have to care because it is our world and it does affect us. So I want you to think about what issues in your community do you want to see change? Something that you wish wasn't an issue, wish that could be abolished or just could be transformed. Leave me a comment and let me know what that is because I do want to know. Okay, because what we're going to be talking about is a different kind of prayer, a prayer where you're moving in a different power. This is not the personal prayer for yourself. This is when you get to the point where you are confident in your relationship with Christ, you are connected, and you're ready to decree and declare things on your life, on your family's life, and the life of your, of your community so that there can be real change in the world, which we all need. Okay, so we need the Holy Spirit to move. And that's actually what Queen Esther did. When you think about her role, she went from being this young little orphan girl to going to the palace and auditioning to be the queen, to becoming the queen. And then right when she's kind of settled in, there's a huge issue where her people are going to be massacred. You know, there's going to be a genocide. And she has to make the decision to stand up and fight against that. And then she also rewrites the decree, the very decree that was sent to kill off all of her people. She rewrote it to be able to help her people. And so I'm going to read from the book. Again, we're reading the Esther anointing. I'm going to read what the author says about decreeing and the power of prayer. And it's going to be quite a bit that I'm going to read. So just listen in. And if you have the book, you can read along with me. I'm on page 102. A decree is an official order, edict, or, de or decision. A decree is something that seems to be foreordained. A decree can also mean to order, decide, officially appoint a group or a person to accomplish something. It can ban, outlaw, or restrict. This process is linked to binding and loosing, Matthew 18, 18. It causes what is proclaimed or decreed to come into manifestation. A decree is foretelling. It speaks for the counsel of God. If you don't stand in the counsel of the Lord, how can you make a decree? How can you release the heart and mind of God for a given situation, people, or territory? And then it is written, you will make your prayer to him and he will hear you and you will pay your vows. You shall also decide a decree, a thing, and it shall be established for you. And the light of God's favor will shine upon your ways. When they make you low, you will say, there is a lifting up. And the humble person he lifts up and saves. He will even deliver the one for whom you intercede, who is not innocent. Yes, he will be delivered through the cleanliness of your hands. And that is Job twenty-two twenty-seven. You must be a woman of revelation. A spirit of revelation is a special endowment to perceive and look into the deep plans of God. God wants you to understand that as you walk in the Esther anointing, you are no longer praying upward. You are praying downward. 
You have been seated with Jesus in high places. God wants you to understand your position in the spirit. Too long we have walked, bowed down, defeated, and afraid. But you have now been emboldened with the love, grace, and humility of Christ, and he has elevated you to rule and reign with him in the earth. Ephesians 1.20 From this high position as a queen in the kingdom of God, you are praying downward. No longer are you just asking, but also you are writing and rewriting decrees. Through your prayers, you are administrating the kingdom of God in the earth. As we have already discovered, this level of intercession is different than other kinds of intercession. This is not worship. This is not prayers about meeting individual needs only. You are operating in a different realm. This is governmental level intercession, the kind that kings and queens in the kingdom operate by. At this level, your prayers are decrees permitting things that are lawful and restricting things that are illegal. In the kingdom of God, decrees are the proclamation of the will and word of the Lord into the spirit realm. Decrees issue sudden breakthrough in all manners of situations. Decrees are the basis, the foundation of breakthrough. They release the ability to do whatever is needed to break the power of Satan in any given situation. In this case, it is powerful praying and making decrees to the thing that needs to be broken. I want to show you something about the eternal decree. Let's look at Psalm 2, 7 through 9. It is written, I will declare the decree the Lord has said to me. You are my son. Today I have begotten you. Ask of me, and I will give you the nations for your inheritance, and the ends of the earth for your possession. You shall break them with a rod of iron. You shall dash them into pieces like a potter's vessel. Here, God is saying, I have done everything that I'm going to do. I have given you the authority to bind. I have given you the authority to loose. See, it's not just about getting up and going to a nice prayer meeting and saying, present and accounted for. No, it is about walking in your created dimension, walking into what God created you to do. Your words have power. Life or death comes by the words you speak. So you can begin to create in the heavens by your words. So when you stand and say, there shall be no terrorism in my city, I decree it by the power of God. I bind every spirit of terrorism in the name of Jesus. It stops the works of darkness. The words that we pray in this hour, the things that we say will affect the quality of life because God has decreed the eternal decree that sets us as kings and queens over the earth. So think about that. The power that's behind your words, the power that's behind the authority that God has given you. I always tell you, Satan has power, but he has no authority. So he can do things if we allow him to. But if we stand and say, in the name of Jesus, this shall not happen in my city, in my house, in my marriage, then you have the power to get rid of it. And it does go away. And this can be the smallest thing to the biggest thing. 
Okay, if you have a fight with your husband or your child and you go to the store and when you're at the store, you're praying, you're casting out the devil and you're telling the devil, I bind you, you shall not enter into my marriage. And you say it with authority in the name of Jesus. When you come home, he's going to be in a great mood or your child's going to be acting totally different. It is all spiritual. We live in a spiritual realm. And those spirits are behind the very things that are giving us problems where we're not taking the authority that we're given. And we need to start doing that if we want to see any change in this world. She gives us some ways that we can declare and we can decree. And remember, when you're doing this, we are always standing on scriptures. If you're declaring and decreeing, you're doing it because you know that this is something God wants for you. He wants you to have a wonderful marriage. What God put together, let no man take apart. He wants your children to obey you. He wants these things, and it's written in the Bible. You know he does. So you're not declaring and decreeing things that are not in the Bible because that is how you fall into witchcraft and things like that. These are things that are already established that you are releasing. Now, I'm just going to read some decrees that she's written in the book. There are so many and I'm not going to read all of them because I do want you to support her and purchase the book, but I want to read some of them for you to just kind of know what it sounds like to decree something and the power behind, you know, how you say it and how you stand in your authority as someone that's been given this privilege. I decree that the seed of righteousness shall be delivered from every evil plot against their destiny. Proverbs 11:21. I decree that my children and my children's children will worship the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Psalm 145:4. I decree that no weapon formed against my family line shall prosper. Isaiah 54:17. So she's decreeing over her entire family line. Okay, so this is not just you saying a prayer for yourself. This is you making a declaration for generations to come even after you're gone. That's powerful. I decree God's everlasting mercy and peace shall rest upon my children. Isaiah 54, 13. I decree that my entire family shall be saved. Acts 16, 31. I decree that every assignment of violence and murder in my city will be broken. Psalm 55, 9. Imagine if so many of us were decreeing over our cities how much less violence we would be experiencing. All of these things that are going on, we can take authority over them. All of these shootings, these massacres, and these suicides, all the things that are just plaguing us and depressing us, we can stand and take authority over it. There are groups of women and just people in general that pray specifically for their city. And when they've done like data checks, they've seen when these groups have been praying, the amount of homicides have dramatically gone down, sometimes even completely stopped because 20 women decided that they were going to start praying for their city. It's powerful. I decree that my city belongs to Jesus, the great king, Psalm 4, 48, 2. 
I decree that the businesses in my city flourish like the grass of the earth. Psalm 72, 16. I decree that revival will break out in my city. I decree that the spiritual name of my city is the Lord is there. Ezekiel 48, 35. So these are just some examples of decrees that you can state over your business, over your marriage, over your children, over your family line, over your body, over your relationship with Christ, over every negative thought, every demonic spirit, every person that's plotting against you, wishing harm against you. You can stand in your authority and decree and declare that it shall not come near you in the name of Jesus. So... I really want you to start seeing prayer differently, not just you begging and crying for something. God is not moved by your crying. That is not what's going to make him pay attention to what you are saying. He loves you and he knows what you need, but you need to come with authority. You need to have a relationship there and do the things that he's asked you to do. He's always going to be close to you, especially if you're brokenhearted. But don't think that just because you cry, it means that your prayer is all of a sudden more powerful. It's not. When you stand in his word and you decree and you declare in his name, that is what gives your prayer power. So I, I want you to know the differences between different kinds of prayer and start maximizing all of your prayers. And I really wish and I hope that one day there can be someone that helps men do this very thing because men are the leaders of the family, the leaders of the home, and they're the ones that cover their wives and their children. And if men were more serious about their spiritual lives, I believe we would see a drastic change in this world. If men could humble themselves and be willing to start praying over their homes and their wives and their children and their families and their communities. We would see oh, such a drastic change, but that's a different story. As a woman, you can start and you can be the one to influence your husband and your family to know that there are different ways of taking authority in prayer. You're praying with your husband and his prayers are just not you know, where you think they should be in terms of his knowledge of his power, then you can start declaring things and he can see what you're doing. And maybe that'll get him interested in learning how to also take the power and authority that God has given him as a leader of the household. So I'm just going to say a prayer at the end because this chapter is very short. That's really all that was in this chapter. <laughs> so I'm going to say the prayer at the end of it for revival among the nations because as we talked about revival is what we need imagine if everyone like the light bulb went out went up <laughs> the light bulb went on for every single person and they finally thought oh my goodness i can do this i can reconnect with my father reconnect with the creator and take authority over my life over the life of my children and my family and my job and I can actually start living free if that just kind of broke out we would be so successful in this world so this is a prayer for revival among the nations so if you want to close your eyes or just 
take all of this in and just agree and pray this prayer with me. If you have the book, you can read it to yourself, but just making sure that, you know, you're really here and you're praying this prayer. God is here. He is listening. And this is really important to him. So prayer for revival among the nations. Heavenly Father, please be with us as we pray to you. Please allow your Holy Spirit to come into the lives of every single woman here that's listening and just allow them to be able to feel your presence and your power. Lord, I decree that my country, my nation, and my people belong to you. I ask, Father, for your blessings on my nation. Let the beliefs and morals of your kingdom be established. Lord, I humble myself. I am praying seeking your face, turning from my wicked ways, and petitioning you to heal my land. I ask that you will come and rain down righteousness in the land. Let all wickedness and perversion be cleansed from my land. Awaken human hearts to your love. Let the power of conviction return to the pulpits. Let the preachers preach the gospel of your kingdom. Let there be an increased awareness of your presence. Father, I desire to see your glory cover the earth like the waters cover the sea. Let your manifested presence return to the earth. Let revival break out in my country. Let the kingdom of God break in with power. Let miracles, signs, and wonders be released in my land. Let every manner of disease and sickness be healed. Let the fame of Jesus spread across this nation from coast to coast. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. And that, my dear, was chapter 8, Rewriting the Decree, and the book, The Esther Anointing. And I hope that helps you just to be able to see the power that you have in prayer to not only change your circumstances, but the circumstances of the nation and the city and the community that you live in. So thank you so much for being here for this. And with that, I'm going to talk about some books that I think are really wonderful books for those of you who are interested in forming a relationship with God. And because I just moved, I haven't, I can't even find a box that has the books in them. I only have a couple of them, but I will still tell you. Let's talk about the first book. And I have all these books linked on my Amazon page that has books that I recommend. So you can always just go there and you can see all the different books that I recommend. Okay, so the first book that I recommend is called Welcome Holy Spirit. And it's by Benny Hinn, who is a pretty famous healer, pastor. He used to do crusades where he would heal people. And he's written a couple of different books. I really like this one. And I like this one because it helps you to understand not only who the Holy Spirit is, but what he does. I think it's unfortunate that most Christians or non-Christians, but especially Christians, do not understand or know the Holy Spirit. They only know God the Father and they know about Jesus, but they have no idea who the Holy Spirit is, what the Holy Spirit does. I didn't know anything about the Holy Spirit until less than a year ago. I would hear the Holy Spirit and 
I could even use the Holy Spirit like in sentences or in conversation, but I did not know who he actually was, what he actually does, what is the point of the Holy Spirit. I didn't understand it very well, and I had to spend a lot of time figuring it out on my own. And I'm so happy that I did, because when you go over into becoming a new person, when you are born again, that moment of conversion, and you are baptized in the Holy Spirit, he becomes so real. He is just so wonderful. And I, I just didn't understand, like something, something so drastic happened to me, and I didn't understand what it was. I didn't understand that it is a, not a it, but a he, he is a person and he has emotions and he has a certain way of dealing with you and he also gives you gifts and he is also the person that comforts you, counsels you, teaches you, helps you and helps the things that you do have real power. And I talk about this so much. I know, I know, I know, but to me, the reason why I talk about it so much is because people just don't know. They don't get it. They don't understand that you can do the same thing. I can say the same words that I'm saying today. I could literally do the same exact lie without the Holy Spirit in me, and it would have a completely different effect on you. He is the power behind all of my content. He is the reason why so many of you are being healed just by listening to my content because you're hearing God, because God is here. His actual presence is here and you are experiencing him when you listen to me. And that is why you're changing. So he is so powerful and he is the one who created the earth. He is the, the spirit that was in Jesus, the spirit that gave him all of the power to do all of the miracles that he did. I always say that Jesus did not sin, but it never said that he could not sin. He could have sinned, but the Holy Spirit was what gave him the ability to resist it. And because he's in us, he gives us those same abilities and the ability to do everything that Jesus did. When you have the Holy Spirit, you can do everything that Jesus did. People who have the Holy Spirit can heal people, can, I mean... <sighs> There are so many things that the Holy Spirit can have you do. I believe it is absolutely limitless. And you will not know until you get to know him. So in this book, Benny Hinn, who does have a lot of power from the Holy Spirit because he developed a relationship with him, he talks about his experiences with the Holy Spirit, but also gives a lot of scriptures in terms of who the Holy Spirit is, what he does in your life as a believer, and why you need him. When I was younger in Sunday school, I would um, hear these conversations where they would ask us to like go door to door and evangelize and tell people about God. And I used to always think, hmm, I'm not trying to do that. Like, what am I going to say? What am I going to say? Why would anyone listen to me? I didn't understand what they were even asking us to do. It made no sense to me. It wasn't until I learn about the Holy Spirit, that it awakened me to understand that that is what gives you the power to talk about God. A lot of people may want to, but they don't have the power to. They don't have anything that's helping them to get those words across. And that's why they're not able to. He gives you the power 
to talk about God, the power to evangelize. In all of the Old Testament, when you would hear about these people who were slaying thousands of soldiers, and the Holy Spirit was the one doing that. He has so much power, and he is God. He literally is God, but in spirit. So knowing the Holy Spirit to me is the most important part of being a kingdom woman, of being a Christ follower outside of loving Jesus and loving what Jesus gave you, which was the Holy Spirit. Knowing the Holy Spirit to me, I mean, if I didn't have the Holy Spirit, I wouldn't even want to do anything but stay in bed because that is how important he is to me. Like nothing is worth doing without the Holy Spirit with me. So this book is great. There's another book that's the first book and it's called Good Morning Holy Spirit. So if you read that one first, it really kind of just introduces you to him. That That's when he was first realizing, okay, there's this person, all this stuff is happening to me, what's going on? And this is a follow-up book, but I really enjoy this one. And then the second book that I want to share, the second book is called Kingdom Woman. And it's written by Dr. Tony Evans. And there's one called Kingdom Man, where it's just the man. And they're both very powerful. And this one's Kingdom Marriage. I really believe you should get all three. You should get Kingdom Woman, Kingdom Man, and Kingdom Marriage. Because we can't, as women, just be hyper-focused on only knowing about ourselves. Yes, we do need to know about ourselves as women, of course. But you also live with men. This world has men in it. You may have a husband, you may have a son, you may have a brother, you may have a dad, you may have a male boss. You are going to interact with men. So excluding yourself from learning about men, reading about men, knowing what men were created for, knowing how men operate is important. So I would recommend both. But Kingdom Woman, again, same author, Dr. Tony Evans, who is an amazing pastor, He's written these books and they're really, really good. Is a wonderful book for anyone that's probably just kind of starting on your journey with getting to know Christ. I believe that book helps you understand the kingdom concept because for me personally, that's what made sense. That's what clicked. And that's important because being a Christian, <laughs> going to church, my entire life, going to Sunday school every Sunday for my entire life meant absolutely nothing because I still did whatever. I still lived just like every other person. I just called myself a Christian. I believed in God and yeah, like my moral code was maybe a lot higher than the normal person, but that's probably just because of how God made me, not because I was a Christian. So understanding the power behind kingdom citizenship and what it means to be born again, what it means to really be in the kingdom of God, because you cannot see the kingdom of God unless you are born again. And many people who think that they're Christians are not really Christians. You may think you're a Christian, but if you ask God if he would consider you a kingdom citizen, that'd be a different question because Unless you are born again, you are not a Christian. And that means that you have died to yourself. You have the Holy Spirit inside of you. So that's something you need to just invite God into your heart and talk to God about. But once you are, your whole life will change. And everything will start to make sense to you. All the stuff that you've been hearing will start to finally 
make sense to you. And understanding the kingdom concept is necessary. That is what Jesus brought. When he came to earth, he came to restore you with God again. He brought back what Adam lost and he brought you the kingdom of God. If you do not understand the kingdom of God, then you will be stuck in religion. And that is not good. Religious people are not going to heaven just because they're religious. And they also don't have the power. It's just, it's just a ritual. It's just something to make themselves feel good and believe that they're doing something right. But if you're not actually living the way that he's asked you to, because you have the power to help you to, then God sees that very differently. The Lord might say, I never knew you, even though you say, you know me. And you don't want that. So understanding what it is to be a kingdom woman is important. So you can finally say, am I that woman? That book is amazing. Christians must also follow the laws of the Bible, such as staying aligned to the Torah. Yes, keeping the Sabbath. You must follow the laws of the Bible. That was written for a reason. Keeping the Sabbath is something that I rarely see anyone doing, to be honest with you. And I didn't understand how serious it was either until I was born again and I started actually reading my Bible. You must read your Bible. Okay, you can't just depend on your pastor, devotionals, and quotes on Instagram to give you the knowledge. You must read your Bible. Everything is in there. And keeping the Sabbath is a commandment, just like thou shalt not murder, that thou shalt not steal. Okay, God sees sin the same. We don't. He does. He is not us. So he has a reason for keeping the Sabbath. If you have every single day of the week where you're just running, 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 and you do not rest and reflect on God's love for you, what God's provided you, he's going to get his time back. And I'm not saying that to scare you. I'm just saying that because he's going to get his time back. That is why so many people end up in the hospital and that's the only time that God can even talk to them because they're sick, because they're overworking all the time. People get themselves in so many issues because of sin, but keeping the Sabbath is necessary because he's asked you to. And you may not understand why God asks you to do certain things. It may not make sense to you, but it's still a commandment. And there needs to be one day out of the week where you are not working, where you are reflecting on God's goodness, on everything God's done for you, reflecting and spending time with your family and honoring him. Okay, there's, I want to say, I don't know which, is Saturday the Sabbath? Technically, yes, Saturday is the Sabbath, but some people uh, honor it on Sunday. There is a scripture and I can't remember which book it's in. I want to say maybe it was in Chronicles or Kings, I don't remember, but it was talking about how God... I don't want to misquote this, but essentially, concept-wise, all this, all the Sabbaths that they missed out of all of those years, it was probably like seven years worth of Sabbaths that they did not honor. He like basically punished them for that amount of time. Added up all the Sabbaths that they had not honored. 
And I thought to myself, oh my goodness, imagine if he reclaimed his time like that. Oh my goodness. I remember the new covenant though, even Jesus did work on the Sabbath. And the work that Jesus did on the Sabbath was him healing someone. Okay, so the new covenant was not to say, don't keep the Sabbath, but it's to say that love is the most important commandment of all. And if someone needs you, if someone is hurting, so if you are a pastor and someone is dying on the Sabbath, they need you to come to the house and pray for them. You're not going to say, it's the Sabbath, can't go, sorry, you have to die. You're going to go. That is love. Okay, so you do have to also understand the Bible fully to understand why certain things are said and not taking things out of context because then that's how you end up messing up badly and you really don't want to ever even risk that okay yes you should always be making time for god you should always and that's every day maybe you weren't here at the beginning but it's not just the sabbath it should be every day okay let me get into the other books you ladies have really great commentary thank you for sharing all those things because you're helping one another and not all of us had people to, to tell us this stuff i'm blessed to have had a family where we were plugged into God and into Christ and learn a lot of this stuff. But I can imagine being in a family where we were atheists or I was a foster child and I had no spiritual grounding. I would be so grateful for you ladies or anyone who is willing to teach me and tell me what to do. So never think that it's out of like that we're saying any of these things because we're condemning you. We just really want to help you because we love you and we want you to know the things that maybe you don't know because the society is so messed up and we're just constantly pulling people further and further away from God by making our own rules and it is unfortunate for people who don't even know what the rules and what the terms are right and so I'm thankful that you ladies help each help each other and are willing to pour into each other because you don't have to. The other book that I wanted to recommend, I posted on my Instagram page. This episode is brought to you by BetterHelp. BetterHelp is a virtual counseling service where you can schedule phone or video sessions. It is more affordable than traditional offline counseling and financial aid is available. It is a worldwide service and can help you in areas such as depression, anxiety, anger, trauma, and other concerns. Everything that you share is confidential, professional, and affordable. You can check out their testimonials on their website daily. And note, this is not a crisis hotline. I want you to live a life where you're full of happiness and hope today. As a listener, you'll get 10% off of your first month by visiting our sponsor, betterhelp.com feminine. Join over 1 million people who have taken charge of their mental health. Again, that's betterhelp.com slash feminine. So make sure to follow me on Instagram. My Instagram name is Dr. Michelle Daff. That's my main page. And then my second page is The Feminine Impression. 
But on my main page, I don't have the book. It's called The Fruit of the Spirit. If you go on Amazon, there are a lot of books called The Fruit of the Spirit, but I like this one specifically. It's written by Thomas E. Trask and Wade Goodall, and it's called Becoming the Person God Wants You to Be. I love this book because it goes into the fruit of the spirit. So when you become born again, when you have your conversion and you become a new person, you are going to change. That is how you know who Christians actually are. And it's not about the people who say that they're a Christian. You, you would know who a Christian is because of how they behave. And they will exhibit the fruit. And these are the fruit that the Holy Spirit gives you. And it's not just like one at a time, like here's a banana, here's a lemon, here's an apple. It's like a flower bouquet. It's all together. You get them all together. And there's nine fruit. And these are just like traits, basically, that you will start to exhibit. Things like love and gentleness, okay, and kindness and goodness. And I talk about this a lot in terms of femininity because a lot of these fruit are embedded in femininity. A lot of women who struggle with their femininity don't have it. They don't have gentleness. They don't have long-suffering. They don't have love. They don't have kindness. And if they had those traits, they would be softer. They would be more loving and more collaborative and compassionate. So these fruit really do help you to really thrive, not just in your Christian walk, but as a feminine woman. Now, it's not exclusive to women. Of course, it's for men too, because men do also need femininity. They need feminine traits in themselves. It's not good to be 100% masculine because then you're losing some of those um, qualities that are necessary. So, but when you're a woman and you really know how to honor these traits, you really do see a change in the way that you present yourself, the way that you carry yourself, the way that people interact with you. And this book is so nice because he goes through each one, each fruit. And I like it because he gives lots of like stories and examples of things. And every time I read them, like he has the best stories. Every time I read them, I'm just like, whoa, I was not expecting that. I was not expecting that. I'll tell you one story. Um, he talked about there was like a famous golf, a golfer and he was really rich, I guess. And he had a tournament. And after the tournament, he had won, I'm, let me just, I'm just going to make up a number, $30,000, right, after the tournament. So he's walking to his car in the parking lot, and he sees a woman, and she's begging for money. And she tells him, sir, I need however much money. I have a sick baby. My baby's going to die. My baby needs surgery. Would you be willing to give me any money? And so he gives her his check. He gives her the money that he won that day. So, I mean, that was really kind and sweet for him to, to do that for her. And then the next day he comes to work and his coworkers are asking him about the lady. They're like, oh, did some lady ask you for money? And he was like, yeah, there was a woman with a sick baby and I gave her my check. And they start laughing at him like, oh my gosh, you know that there's no sick baby. There's no sick baby. She scammed you. And he was like, there's no sick baby? Oh, thank God. Thank God. Like, he 
did not react the way that I thought he would. When I read, I was like, there's no sick baby. What? <laughs> but he wasn't concerned about her scamming him. He was concerned about the baby. He was concerned to know that there is no sick baby dying. That is a blessing. Like that is great to know that it's not true. So he's more concerned about the person, about humanity, about the quality of a person's life than about her scamming him. Clearly, if she felt she needed to do that and was willing to make up something like that, she probably needed that money more than he did. And that is not his problem. Like God is going to take care of her and God is also going to restore him and his money because that's how God works. Like you don't ever have to worry about not giving because you think a person's going to use it for something different. But that story was really nice. So he has a lot of really like powerful, touching stories in the book. I love that book. But it also just reminds you, like when you're out and a person's asking you for money, don't say like, oh, he's probably just going to go buy drugs with it. I cannot stand when people say that because it's like, that is not your problem. If he goes and buys drugs with it, that is not your problem. Like you're giving him money because he's telling you he's hungry. If he's lying about being hungry, you did the right thing by helping someone meet a basic need like food, okay? And if he has a problem, you just pray for him and you ask for God to help him. But you are not the judge of people. You don't get to say, I'm not going to give someone something because I think they're going to do this with it. What do you do with the money God gives you? Are you buying Ciroc? Are you buying marijuana? Are you, are you, you know, what are you, what are you doing with the money God gives you? You know? So we have to remember that. Like you're not in the position to judge people when you're giving. You just give because God's asked you to. So that is the fruit of the spirit. And the last book that I want to mention is called Lead Like Jesus. And this book my cousin gave me, I don't have a picture of it, but I will link everything after this live ends. So you'll have every book, but it's called Lead Like Jesus. When my cousin gave me the book, at first I was like, Lead Like Jesus, who am I leading? I The title to me didn't make a whole lot of sense, but the book is actually about living your life reflecting how Jesus lived because he's our ultimate role model and we're supposed to be living like him and it kind of breaks down like all these different things that I would have never considered until I read the book and every single chapter made me repent like every chapter made me go oh my goodness I have been messing up I need to fix this about myself and I thought it was such a profound book so it's called lead like Jesus it's just about your personal leadership in terms of leading yourself as a person, like leading your life, leading your family, leading a business, but leading in a way where you resemble how Jesus would have done things. And I think that's great because sometimes when you read the Bible, you want to follow things and you want to be like certain people, but you kind of need people to spell it out for you and tell you exactly what you should and shouldn't be doing because it may not be that obvious. So that book is great. All four of these books are fantastic. There are other really good books, but some of them I think are a little bit more high level reading. For me, it's hard for me to even finish a book sometimes because I get like, I feel like I got what I needed and I'll just move on. But all these books are books where you will finish them. Like they are 
packed with important things that you're going to want to know and I think you'll love them. I'm just reading the comments now because I've talked this entire time without reading comments. Yeah, it's crazy that his thoughts weren't even about the money. That's the first thing I thought. Like, what? But that goes to show where my mind was, right? Like, that's where my mind went. That's sad. Start a book club. I hope there's another book after this one. Start a book club. I, I need to know what that would look like if I started a book club. What book would you want to read? If we started a book club, what book would you want us to read together? Who is the pianist for the songs? His name is Dappy T. Keys. I'll also link it after this live is over. But Dappy, so it's D-A-P-P-Y-T-K-E-Y-E-S, I believe. I think he spells it like that. But if you just type in like Dappy T, it'll probably pop up because he's pretty big. He's out of Canada. He's so nice. He's so, so nice. And his music is spirit-filled. The Holy Spirit is in his music. And I love that his songs have uh, like scriptures on it. So it's just music. But he has scriptures that just kind of float up on the page. So a lot of times I'll be reading my Bible and then I'll look up at my computer and I'll see the scripture and I'm just like, oh, that's the scripture I was reading. Like, oh, fascinating womanhood. I have never heard of that. What led you to start talking about God? Have always known you to talk about feminism. I'm thinking you mean femininity, right? <laughs> well, to be honest, I've always talked about God. Just maybe not as much on this channel. I have another channel and it's my vlog channel. And every year I would do something called March into Faith, which is essentially what I'm doing now. And I would talk about God for the month of March. So I've, I've always talked, I can't really tell you what's led me to. I just believe that that is what God had already planned for me. So something in my heart has always wanted to talk about God, even before I had God's power. I just believe that God is so important even before I knew exactly how important he was. I just wanted more people to be comfortable talking about God because we talk about everything else that's literally not even important. I want to know God in a very real way. How do you know there's a God? Well, how do I know that there's a God? Because I've experienced a change in my life that I could not explain unless God was real. I know that there was a God because when I prayed for things through scripture and the Bible, they were answered. I know there's a God because, I mean, the biggest way I can tell you I know is because of the baptism of the Holy Spirit that I experienced and being changed as a person completely, being healed on the spot, being able to have an actual comparison in my life and being able to see, okay, I started doing this and now I'm able to do this. And um, it's, it's a hard question. I mean, you just know God puts something in your spirit. And when you, when Jesus becomes real to you, it's like he puts like a knowing in your spirit. And all of a sudden, it's like you just know. And um, maybe someone else can also tell her how they know if there's a God. But God is real to me on so many levels. I know it's not the same with everyone. That's why I don't want to go into all the details. But I, I also get like physical manifestations of God. For me personally, I couldn't ignore God if I wanted to. 
I couldn't ignore him if I wanted to. After I got baptized in the Holy Spirit. Are you available for being a personal life coach outside of YouTube? Not at this time. I get, I get asked that question, I would say, every day. And I wish I could just like post it somewhere that's not right now. But I have to pray about that and see what God wants me to do. Because I get so many questions about that. And I just want to know if maybe there's a way I could somehow do that. But right now, because I work a full-time job and I do what I do, I just don't have the time. I wouldn't. I don't have the time, but maybe I could do like a group mentoring. Personal mentoring would be would be difficult, and it would also be a little bit more complicated because I am a psychologist. So I am not. Um, I don't know how to explain this, but with my credentials, I would probably be in a different field. It wouldn't be called coaching. Probably it'd be more like therapy to some degree because inevitably you'd be getting the benefits of my credentials uh, and so that would also put me like at a different price bracket that I don't necessarily think would be easy for the average person to be able to afford which is why I do things for free so I don't know I'm new but I wanted to let you know a couple of the videos and podcasts you've created have helped me a lot well that's great Shandrea Thank you so much for telling me that. I'm so happy to hear that. God is so good. God is so good. I love your confidence and the strength of your trust in God. Thank you. I've been working on prayer for quite some time now. A lot of times it feels like empty words. Is prayer something that the more you do it, the more powerful it gets? I would say so, yes. Also, are you born again, B. Nicole? Like, do you have the Holy Spirit? Have you been baptized by the Holy Spirit? Because the Holy Spirit is also who helps you to pray. And you can tell the Holy Spirit, like, Holy Spirit, please help me to pray. And he will help you to pray. But it is more difficult to get in God's presence if you haven't been praying a lot. Even for me, if I stop praying or just start kind of like doing the bare minimum, it is so much harder for me to get in God's presence. I feel nothing when I'm praying. It doesn't mean nothing is happening, but that closeness kind of just goes away. So you have to pray often, sing, and also fasting. Fasting is the quickest way. Fasting is the quickest way to get in the presence of God. So if you feel like you're not as close to God for some reason, you're not really getting a lot of like power in your prayers, then try fasting and you'll see how much easier it is to feel like your prayers have more power. Yes, it is refreshing to see all of you young, beautiful women wanting to see God. It's such a blessing. I heard you mention that you're born again, but what does that really mean? Is that you got baptized again or you switched over to another church? So Gabriella wants to know what I mean when I say I was born again. So being born again means that you have been born again in your spirit. Like you have said you want to give your life to Christ. When I was younger, I was baptized. I grew up in a church, like normal like Christian church. My grandmother was a bishop in Ghana, so she is like a mighty, mighty woman of God. But in America, I lived like a normal life. My mom took us to church. I got baptized when I was a little kid, maybe like seven. But at that age, you don't know God. You just, you're a kid. You barely know God. You just know kind of like what they teach you in Sunday school. 
So I went to church. I called myself a Christian. But I lived my life just like everyone else. I did everything everyone else did. There was no difference between me and anyone who didn't call themselves a Christian. Only difference was I believed that Jesus died for my sins. I believed that he rose again. But I didn't even know who Jesus was. Like as a person, I didn't know who Jesus was. I didn't know anything about Jesus. I didn't know what it meant that he died for my sins. And I certainly wasn't living the way that he asked me to. I was doing literally whatever I wanted to do. And then through his grace, I was able to know him. And it's not something I can explain because it's supernatural where the Holy Spirit comes into your heart and he changes you. Like if you say, I now want to live for you. I want you to be the rule of my life. I'm going to die to myself, meaning I'm not going to be like everyone else anymore. I don't agree with the things I've been doing. All the sins I've been sinning willfully, I'm now going to want to stop. And it is a supernatural event that happens. The Holy Spirit then baptizes you and you become a new person in your spirit because you are spirit. You are not your flesh. So you become renewed and changed. And that's how you become in a true Christian, an actual Christ follower, because you have died to your old person, your old self. You're now living to serve and please God and to bring more people into the kingdom. So it's quite complicated. And I'll be honest with you, the whole time, I didn't know what was happening with myself. I didn't know anything about born again. I didn't know about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I didn't know about speaking in tongues. I didn't know any of this stuff. All this stuff was just happening to me. And I started just being so hungry for the Bible and the word. And I just started researching things, talking to God, praying. And all the stuff that I found out was just as like as I was going through this process. So it wasn't like I was taught anything by anyone. It was all just by me having all these experiences and not understanding what was going on with me. So all of a sudden, like I didn't want to, all of a sudden I didn't want to curse anymore. I didn't want to listen to rap music. I didn't want to do all this stuff that I was doing. I was doing literally everything. I didn't want to do it anymore. And if I did it, I would feel so horrible. And, you know, just things like gossiping, things that just were so normal to me became a serious problem for me. And it was like, what is going on with me? It's a new birth, essentially. You're becoming, you're a different person. You now belong to God. You're now his. You know, he redeems you. And now he is responsible for you. He takes care of you. All your needs are met. You're in the kingdom. Yes, I was born again when I was younger, but lately I've been feeling like I need a renewal. I tarried and I was filled with the Holy Spirit, but then I backslid, as the church says. Okay, so you might just need to re, you know, give your give your life back to Christ. Just rededicate yourself to God. It's really, it's really you becoming humble and asking for whatever it is that you need. The person that asks about being born again, a lot of people don't end up becoming born again until they're in some kind of like serious problem. Like let's say 
they got arrested or something and they're like oh no I got a DUI Lord I don't want this life anymore like I I'm so like I want to be a new person I'm gonna live for you now I'm never gonna drink again I don't want to be this person anymore like please take over my heart take over my life like sincerely asking for God that's how a lot of people end up becoming born again because something probably happened and and then for some people that's not the case so it really everyone is just different but you are truly deciding you are going to follow Christ that is a difference I asked for someone like you to come into my life I don't have anyone to look up to but now since I met you I'm going back to my real self and I'm becoming true and getting closer to God thank you Dayana oh that is so wonderful I thank God for that thank you so much for sharing that I'm so happy to hear that that is that is the best thing you could ever do and you said you're gonna go back to your real self so that just tells me that you changed in some way that probably just never felt right to you can you talk about speaking in tongues I really want to know about that <laughs> that's like a whole other topic so when you get baptized in the Holy Spirit you may be able to speak in tongues the language that God that's a, that's you speaking directly to God in an unknown tongue and it is a gift of the Holy Spirit I'm still learning about that to be honest with you because that is something for me that initially I was very uninterested in until I understood that I was supposed to desire to want to do that and the Holy Spirit has allowed me to speak in tongues I have spoken in tongues I think it's absolutely amazing it's supernatural I also know that people can fake it and there is a difference people can force it and there is a difference it's not something someone needs to teach you to do when I see people like teaching people how to do it I just think that there's just so much there's so much falsehood around it that it's it's like it's whole another topic but when you speak in tongues it's the Holy Spirit praying through you speaking through you and you don't understand what you're saying but you're speaking directly to God yes read the book of Acts and it talks about speaking in tongues it is it is amazing I love speaking in tongues all right um all good I don't mean to argue I'm just pointing out what Jesus said to the religious people of the New Testament Jesus is also the Lord of the Sabbath okay Priscilla I don't know maybe you weren't talking to me but I just want to say thank you so much to all of you wonderful ladies who joined me today thank you for being here and again the most important thing is always for you to read your Bible to pray about things to seek God and Definitely don't get caught up in religious conversations that turn into arguments and all of that stuff is just so, it's so bad for your spirit. You know, when you start getting into things and, and arguments over things, you're getting away from the point, you know, and everything can be talked about in love, but a lot of times religion can be used as a way of just ostracizing people, hurting people belittling people some people have pride in their spirituality like they're so prideful because they think that they know everything and it's not about even what you know 
it's really about your relationship with Christ because the Holy Spirit can teach you everything. You do need the you do need to read the Bible for sure, but your spirit will also let you know when there's something wrong. And um, it's important that you don't let the enemy use you to upset other people or get yourself upset and confused because you're having conversations that are going nowhere because they're turning into arguments over religion. This is relationship, okay? Thank you so much, ladies, for listening to today's podcast. And remember that you can watch this exact episode on my YouTube channel, Dr. Michelle Daff, with the exact same title, and you can watch it in video form. I thank you all for your time here. I hope that this segment was helpful to you in your life. And I pray that God equips you with the ability to pray with power and get your prayers heard and answered. I thank you for all of your support. Make sure to follow me on my Instagram pages, A Feminine Impression for femininity content, and my personal page, Dr. Michelle Daff on Instagram. Until next time, my loves, you are listening to A Feminine Impression Podcast. Have a beautiful day. Bye-bye.